This is section 28 of The $30,000 Bequest and Other Stories by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How to Tell a Story The Humorous Story, an American Development Its Difference from Comic and Witty Stories I do not claim that I can tell a story as it ought to be told. I only claim to know how a story ought to be told, for I have been almost daily in the company of the most expert story-tellers for many years. There are several kinds of stories, but only one difficult kind, the humorous. I will talk mainly about that one. The humorous story is American, the comic story is English, the witty story is French. The humorous story depends for its effect upon the manner of the telling, the comic story, and the witty story, upon the matter. The humorous story may be spun out to great length, and may wander around as much as it pleases and arrive nowhere in particular, but the comic and witty stories must be brief and end with a point. The humorous story bubbles gently along, the others burst. The humorous story is strictly a work of art, high and delicate art, and only an artist can tell it. But no art is necessary in telling the comic and the witty story. Anybody can do it. The art of telling a humorous story—understand I mean by word of mouth, not print—was created in America and has remained at home. The humorous story is told gravely. The teller does his best to conceal the fact that he even dimly suspects that there is anything funny about it. But the teller of the comic story tells you beforehand that it is one of the funniest things he has ever heard, then tells it with eager delight, and is the first person to laugh when he gets through. And sometimes, if he has had good success, he is so glad and happy that he will repeat the nub of it and glance around from face to face, collecting applause, and then repeat it again. It is a pathetic thing to see. Very often, of course, the rambling and disjointed humorous story finishes with a nub, point, snapper, or whatever you like to call it. Then the listener must be alert, for in many cases the teller will divert attention from that nub by dropping it in a carefully casual and indifferent way with the pretense that he does not know it is a nub. Artemus Ward used that trick a good deal. Then, when the belated audience presently caught the joke, he would look up with innocent surprise, as if wondering what they had found to laugh at. Dan Setchell used it before him, Nye and Riley and others use it today. But the teller of the comic story does not slur the nub, he shouts it at you, every time. And when he prints it, in England, France, Germany, and Italy, he italicizes it puts some whopping exclamation points after it, and sometimes explains it in a parenthesis, all of which is very depressing and makes one want to renounce joking and lead a better life. Let me set down an instance of the comic method, using an anecdote which has been popular all over the world for twelve or fifteen hundred years. The teller tells it in this way. THE WOUNDED SOLDIER in the course of a certain battle, a soldier whose leg had been shot off appealed to another soldier who was hurrying by to carry him to the rear, informing him at the same time of the loss which he had sustained, whereupon the generous son of Mars, shouldering the unfortunate, proceeded to carry out his desire. 
the bullets and cannon-balls were flying in all directions and presently one of the latter took the wounded man's head off without however his deliverer being aware of it in no long time he was hailed by an officer who said where are you going with that carcass to the rear sir he's lost his leg his leg forsooth responded the astonished officer you mean his head you booby whereupon the soldier dispossessed himself of his burden and stood looking down upon it in great perplexity at length he said it is true sir just as you have said then after a pause he added but he told me it was his leg here the narrator bursts into explosion after explosion of thunderous horse laughter repeating that nub from time to time through his gasping and shriekings and suffocatings it takes only a minute and a half to tell that in its comic story form and it isn't worth the telling after all put into the humorous story form it takes ten minutes and is about the funniest thing i have ever listened to as james whitcomb riley tells it he tells it in the character of a dull-witted old farmer who has just heard it for the first time thinks it is unspeakably funny and is trying to repeat it to a neighbor but he can't remember it so he gets all mixed up and wanders helplessly round and round putting in tedious details that don't belong in the tale and only retard it taking them out conscientiously and putting in others that are just as useless making minor mistakes now and then and stopping to correct them and explain how he came to make them remembering things which he forgot to put in their proper place and going back to put them in there stopping his narrative a good while in order to try to recall the name of the soldier that was hurt and finally remembering that the soldier's name was not mentioned and remarking placidly that the name is of no real importance anyway and better of course if one knew it but not essential after all and so on and so on and so on the teller is innocent and happy and pleased with himself and has to stop every little while to hold himself in and keep from laughing outright and does hold in but his body quakes in a jelly-like way with interior chuckles and at the end of the ten minutes the audience have laughed until they are exhausted and the tears are running down their faces the simplicity and innocence and sincerity and unconsciousness of the old farmer are perfectly simulated and the result is a performance which is thoroughly charming and delicious this is art and fine and beautiful and only a master can compass it but a machine could tell the other story to string incongruities and absurdities together in a wandering and sometimes purposeless way and seem innocently unaware that they are absurdities is the basis of the american art if my position is correct another feature is the slurring of the point a third is the dropping of a studied remark apparently without knowing it as if one were thinking aloud the fourth and last is the pause artemus ward dealt in numbers three and four a good deal he would begin to tell with great animation something which he seemed to think was wonderful then lose confidence and after an apparently absent-minded pause add an incongruous remark in a soliloquizing way and that was the remark intended to explode the mine and it did for instance he would say eagerly excitedly i once knew a man in new zealand who hadn't a tooth in his head here his animation would die out a silent reflective pause would follow then he would say dreamily and as if to himself 
and yet that man could beat a drum better than any man i ever saw the pause is an exceedingly important feature in any kind of story and a frequently recurring feature too it is a dainty thing and delicate and also uncertain and treacherous for it must be exactly the right length no more and no less or it fails of its purpose and makes trouble if the pause is too short the impressive point is passed and the audience have had time to divine that a surprise is intended and then you can't surprise them of course on the platform i used to tell a negro ghost story that had a pause in front of the snapper on the end and that pause was the most important thing in the whole story if i got it the right length precisely i could spring the finishing ejaculation with effect enough to make some impressible girl deliver a startled little yelp and jump out of her seat and that was what i was after this story was called the golden arm and was told in this fashion you can practice with it yourself and mind you look out for the pause and get it right the golden arm once upon a time dey was a mom's mean man and he lived way out in the prairie all alone by self exceptin he had a wife and by and by she died and he took and toted her way out down the prairie and buried her wow she had a golden arm all solid gold from de shoulder down he was powerful mean powerful and that night he couldn't sleep cause he want that golden arm so bad when it come midnight he couldn't stand no more so he get up he did and took his lantern and shoved off through the storm and dug her up and got the golden arm den he bended his head down and gin the wind and plowed and plowed and plowed through the snow den all on a sudden he stopped make a considerable pause here and look startled and take a listening attitude and say my land what's dat and he listen and listen and den wind say set your teeth together and imitate the wailing and wheezing sing-song of the wind and then way back yonder where the grave is he hear a voice he hear a voice all mix up in the wind can't hardly tell em apart who got my golden arm you must begin to shiver violently now and he begin to shiver and shake and say oh my oh my land and de wind blow de lantern out and de snow and sleet blow in his face and most choke him and he started plowing knee deep toward home most dead he's so scared and pretty soon he heard the voice again and pause it is coming after him who got my golden arm when you get to the pasture he hear again closer now and a coming a coming back die in the dark in the storm repeat the wind and the voice when he get to the house he rush upstairs and jump into bed and kiver up head and years and lay down shivering and shaking and then way out there he hear it again and a coming and blimey he hear pause awed listening attitude pat 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 
it's a coming up stars den he hear de latch and he know it's in de room den pooty soon he knows it's a standin by de bed pause den he knows it's a bendin down over him and he can't scarcely get his breath den den he seemed to feel something cold right down most agin his head pause then the voice say right at his year who got my golden arm you must wail it out very plaintively and accusingly then you stare steadily and impressively into the face of the farthest gone auditor a girl preferably and let that awe-inspiring pause begin to build itself in the deep hush when it has reached exactly the right length jump suddenly at the girl and yell you've got it if you've got the pause right she'll fetch a dear little yelp and spring right out of her shoes but you must get the pause right and you will find it the most troublesome and aggravating and uncertain thing you ever undertook. End of section 28